You're listening to the Classic Gamers Guild Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Classic Gamers Guild Podcast. I'm your host, Anna. I'm here with another one of our hosts, Sarah. And today we are talking about the music in our favorite classic computer games because I don't have enough broad general music uh, knowledge about music to just like talk about every and any video game randomly. So I've kind of taken a few, probably a few that I've talked about quite a few times in the past and uh, and picked my favorite pieces from them. I don't know about you, Sarah. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. Thanks for having me on again. <laughs> yeah, it's my pleasure. Absolutely. I thought maybe we could touch on uh, like I start at the beginning. So if we could go back to like when you're first playing your, like it doesn't have to be your first computer game ever, Sarah, but like a computer game, the first one that you played where the music kind of struck you or there was something about it that was special or uh, something that you remember about it uh, early on in your gaming life. Well, I think it started for me with King's Quest IV when we got a Sound Blaster card and I heard the computer playing more than one note at a time and it blew my tiny mind. I think I was about, gosh, eight or nine. And yeah, it was incredible. And that composer's name is now slipping my mind. And now I have to turn in my King's Quest IV card because that's (laughs) my favorite game. But it was just really beautiful. I I think that was the first time... I realized that a game score could be cinematic and really convey a mood rather than just being kind of a lot of beeps and bloops. Mm -hmm. And I I just thought it was so pretty. I really loved that. I mean, so that just kind of captured me and then all the little themes within and it was just, it was lovely. It really was. And it's funny that you'd mentioned that because that's that's sort of like the first game that really struck me, but on the PC speaker because I didn't have a sound card yet. Uh, I had to, I don't, I'm not popping this out of my head, guys, but it's William Goldstein that did the composing for King's Quest IV. And that, I had to look that one up. I'll totally admit that. But yeah, amazing. Even coming out of the PC speaker, there's a, a couple of pieces that I'm going to bring up during this episode that kind of like, that have stuck with me just as they are. Like when I think back in my head and I remember the game, that's what I'm hearing in each scene is the PC speaker. Like, and it wasn't until I was a grown up that I was like, oh, ad lib, that's really cool. Ooh, Roland, that's really pretty. I didn't even hear them till way later on. So along that vein, I think the other one that made a good early impression on me was playing King's Quest II on the PC Junior, and which could play three whole notes at the same time, and that was a big deal. Harmony. And, yeah, just that green sleeves with King Graham walking by in, in, the, in the front, in the mm-hmm. beginning. The front, what I meant by the front was the beginning of the game. Yeah, you know, nice. the front of the game. The front end. It's like your programmer <laughs> talk. Really. Is it? I'm not exactly. a programmer, but it sounds like it could be programmer right. talk. So, No, that, that <laughs> sounds that sounds about right. Um, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> and I mean, it just the, the first time, you know, music really kind of made it 
more tense, like that do 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 when the <laughs> when you know the wizard comes into the screen or Hagatha, and you're like, oh no, I gotta get out of here before she turns me into a frog or something. I actually don't even remember what she does, but uh, I remember the dwarf would steal all your stuff. Yeah, and I think doesn't she turn he, you into a frog? Yeah, I'm I'm not. She as... turns you into a frog, and he mm-hmm. doesn't he just make you disappear? Yeah, the wizard just makes you disappear. The dwarf steals your stuff in the other one. But it's like the first time that kind of music. And then, of course, the sting when the troll enters the picture in King's Quest Four. I mean, that, that was like the first yeah. time in a computer game do where do music do just filled do me do with do abject do terror. Ah, shit. And it's like, oh, yeah, that was it's still it still affects me to this just very day because you know why? Because you had to hear it so many times and and so i end up personally like i feel frustrated i feel like oh my god i'm scared that he's gonna come again i'm anticipating getting through because i've gotten farther and then there's that very first moment when you hit the chasm you think you're just about through you think you're getting something and somewhere and you fall then you have to figure out a whole new puzzle at the same time and you're like i sure hope you were like save scumming as you were getting from zone to zone and that you save scummed in the right place because you can get trapped in the wrong part of the cave where you can't escape Mm -hmm. if you go the wrong way behind the shadows and i was playing it on amber monochrome screen so it was like the music was such an intense part of the experience maybe also in a way to replace the colors that weren't there like it was just it was all encompassing in in a really cool way Mm -hmm. yeah that, that sounds like a familiar experience. <laughs> I haven't had the Amber Monochrome experience yet. And actually, that <laughs> reminds me, I still need to do that. I have my IBM 5155 downstairs. And I have, I think, the version of King's Quest 4 I have will run on that thing. <laughs> so, I, I mean. That. <laughs> That's adorable. Yeah. I think I might have loaded it up once, but I haven't actually played through. So that's something I still need to do. <laughs> You haven't actually played King's Quest 4 until you've had the the Anna experience. So Yeah, you know, get out that Amber Monochrome, pop on the beat boop speaker, sit back mm-hmm. and prepare for a wild ride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so well, what's yeah. our next category? So I want to just I want to start broad and then I want to like zero in because I feel that that's going against the grain a little bit. So I want to go with like favorite overall soundtrack. If you were like, man, I just and and you can go mood based. You don't have to be like, this is the favorite one I listen to always every time you can be like, this is my favorite one to listen to in the fall or this is my favorite one I want to listen to when I'm driving in the car. But just some time and some soundtrack that really hits you in some way. I didn't even really have to think about it. That's Gabriel Knight one. No question. (laughs) No question for for mood, musicality, um, emotion. I love it. Um, Robert Holmes is awesome. We all love Robert Holmes. Um, Awesome person, awesome uh, composer. And uh, that one is just it for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is a beautiful. I didn't experience that game till later on, but the, the music is a whole part of the whole ride. I mean, because you've got your amazing story that's like 
that's building into such like so many complex layers and the music's intertwining with it. And because everything's already super layered and super complex, the music can like get to you in a way in a game like that, that it wouldn't in maybe a game that was a little bit lighter and didn't have as like deep or as heavy of the parallel storylines that are running in a game like Gabriel Knight. Mm -hmm. So what about you? Uh, I bounced back and forth between a few ones because different games hold different memories and different soundtracks feel different ways. And of course, I could say King's Quest 4, but I'm going to go like right into like the more rocker side and say Quest for Glory 4. Uh, Aubrey Hodges did such a great job matching the mood of the music to the tone of the game. And it was like, it was the first time it was kind of rock in a game that I'd played. Like there's imagined guitar and uh and, and it was really sort of wild and out there but all also really peaceful and uh and attainable so and, and a lot of the tunes stick with me uh like leshy like anyways like all of those really they get in my head and they come back to me uh quite often it really is a perfect marriage between that story um, which I, my understanding is it was mostly Lori's story. Mm-hmm. Does that a sound about of, right? Yeah, I think she did it. Like, I think Corey was more involved in four than he was in three. Three was primarily her game. Right. But okay, four, maybe I was getting those mixed up. Yeah, but but at the same time, I think that was kind of her skill, right? The story mm-hmm. and the lower writing and things like that. I think a lot of that stuff was her overall. Mm-hmm. And, and anybody's welcome to write in and correct me. I'm still waiting for that sort of yes. thing to happen. Just write in and say something. Yes, you are right. Corey, if you're listening and we're totally <laughs> wrong, you can write us an angry letter. Oh, and a long and one. you Make can address it- that straight to Anna. Super wordy. Yeah. And <laughs> um, but what I was going to say is that that's just really the perfect marriage of story and 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 score. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'm guessing that you've heard uh, Aubrey Hodge's reorchestrated uh score on Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. It's it's wonderful. It's, it's I mean, he did real, a lovely job. It's the rock that it was it like it wasn't obviously because it was like MIDI or it was like a digital soundtrack. And then he took it and then he kind of like redid it and made it something that anybody would listen to, like not even knowing it was attached to a game. Mm-hmm. I love the addition of the guitars. And it's it's cool now that there is, I mean, back in the day, it was a space issue. Obviously, you can't make full record. You couldn't make full recordings and get those on floppy di- of, of real instruments and get those onto floppy disks. But um, now composers are reorchestrating and re-recording some of their older soundtracks so that they can sound probably a little closer to what they had in their heads when they were originally composing. Mm-hmm. And... And now MIDI is so much more sophisticated sounding that those same soundtracks with different instruments that are synthetic even can mm-hmm. sound closer to probably what they imagined originally. Yeah, it's true. I, well, I mean, take, for example, my, my 11-year-old's favorite music is the uh, uh Mick Gordon, he did the music with uh, Doom and a bunch of stuff. And he, he did just some really cool work with like sine waves and modulations and all that kind of stuff and effect pedals and put, just putting on all these like cool real world kind of wild sounds to make such like an effective game. 
not that uh, I've played a huge amount of that game, but kids know, like anytime I, I've gone to them, I'm just like, and, and I mean, your kid will eventually do the same for you. I'm like, Hey, I want to sound really cool when I'm doing my podcast. So I'm going to ask you a question, right? They're always like, Oh yeah, we know. And then, you know, they always have cool answers for me. <laughs> but a music. Yeah, Alice is a little ahead. too young to help me out with that right now. So I don't get to be cool for a, lo- a while yet. You're getting there. Well, music yeah. guides them. I know like my 11 year old finds the music before he finds the game. So he'll, he'll get like somebody mm-hmm. on YouTube who just plays a bunch of game music on say the piano or like, you know, where it keeps getting faster and faster and more difficult or one of those videos. And then through that, he'll find a game. He just did that with uh, undertale, which he surpassed oh. where I was and then finished the whole game and is now doing like his genocide run. Cause he's all like cool now, but the first one was a pacifist run that he did. Anyways, whatever. I don't know. I probably just did a bunch of spoilers for people. I'm sorry. But the point is music is what guides him to these games, which I think is pretty cool. The new generation, you know, and the ability mm-hmm. that they have to kind of like openly experience something from any angle. That's really interesting that that's where he starts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then he lot, finds the music, and then he plays the game. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know what? That's how I discovered Grey Matter. Ooh. I was listening to Robert Holmes's and Roger Hooper's album, which I always, without fail, want to call a little night music, and that's a musical, and I have no idea because it's just it's called a simple refrain. Mm-hmm. And for some reason in my head, I'm always like, oh, yeah, their album, A Little Night Music, that is not right. So for some reason, that's just kind of the way it is in my head. But anyway, I was going through the different pieces and listening to them and, you know, ones that I really liked that I'd never heard before. And I was like, what's gray matter? And so I looked it up and went, OK, I'll give this a go. It sounds fun. And I loved it so much. So, yeah, I guess sometimes that the music can be a route to a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's very true. It never never happened to me that way, uh, actually, at all. Hey, you know what music hits me in my head all the time is the music from when you go into the uh, mine at the dwarfs in quest in uh, King's Quest Four when you're giving them back the diamonds or just whenever you go in there, just like that working song that they have. It's adorable, right? But I get that one in my head all the time. You know what's funny is that I've played that game a thousand times, and the only thing I can hear in my head is the King's Quest V town music. Oh, and I, love <laughs> I love that music. I was like, wow, that must, that's a quirky little piece. Let me see if I can kind of call that up, you know, and the, the record player of my mind, the little jukebox arm reaches down and it just grabs that record and won't grab any other. And so now that's just kind of what's going on there. So we'll see if I can remember any other tunes because that thing's like a virus. Once it gets started, I mean, it just kind of takes over. <laughs> okay, well, here, let, let's hit up our uh, our most nostalgic piece. Then, which is kind of like the favorite, but it's the one that you would listen to to kind of take you back in time or, or would remind you in, in particular of the early days of gaming, but just a piece, not a full soundtrack. Okay, this is a little bit of a tough one. I've touched on a couple already. Well, here, I'll, I'll answer while well, you, you're yeah, you go thinking first. about it. Yeah, because my mine's a toss up. It's uh, uh, between Quest for Glory 1, EGA's Arena's piece when you're just kind of lying Ooh. there by the tree and it's just all like super chill vibes and you know, there's magic and good things happening and potential for more, especially if you're like already a magician. Right. So 
I like mm-hmm. that one a lot. And uh, the house cleaning music from King's Quest Four because it's like the soundtrack to my life. And and I'm going to throw in for good measure the stable music from Quest for Glory One also. Those three just they bring me back, and I like to use them as ringtones on my phones or in everyday things around me because I don't know. I like to hear oh, cute. them. Mm-hmm. You'll have to let me know uh, if you've got some ringtone files lying around somewhere. Oh, I do. I can. I'll send you a stack. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> well, now I'm thinking about it. I think one that kind of takes me back for some reason, and I don't know really why, because I didn't play this one a ton as a kid. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, there's actually two. Uh, the town music in Quest for Glory 4. Yes. Oh, so good. <laughs> And the sound of the door closing as you come out of the inn at the same time, mm-hmm. kind of that creak slam. I, I heard it in my head when you said it, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right. And I'm sure with the audience that we have, everybody just heard that creak and that slam in their heads too. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that one. And then the other one probably is the introduction music from King's Quest Six, sort of the part mm-hmm. where he mm-hmm. takes off on the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, to go and, you know, find his love, find Cosima. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, so just kind of that that setting out an adventure music. I think that's probably the one. And I'm super, oh, hey, speaking of plugging vinyl projects, which we were, mm-hmm. Eric Elsom of Magic Map Studios is currently working on reorchestrating King's Quest Six. And that final campaign will be up when he is done. It's going to be a while, but um, so he's the one who reorchestrated and released King's Quest V, Songs of Serenia, mm-hmm. which is now just now making its way into backers' hands. I got my copy yesterday. Ooh, congratulations. Is, oh my gosh. It is beautiful. Oh, I've seen the pictures it's, have started rolling in. It's super exciting. It's gorgeous, and I'm just so excited to finally have that. And if you're listening and you want to hear a little bit more, you can talk to, not talk to, <laughs> you can go to Magic Map Studios on Bandcamp and listen to the tracks there. Mm-hmm. And you can follow him on Twitter, I think Instagram, and he's got a Facebook page. So he's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's inevitable. He's unavoidable. He, no, he's the kidding. biggest King's Quest fan ever. I mean, him oh, and yeah. you, Sarah, might have to fight it out. I don't know. But yeah, I'd say I definitely way up in that top five kind of a region. No, so we love Eric. He's a fabulous guy, incredibly talented. And we are very much looking forward to the King's Quest Six campaign. So mm-hmm. yay. Yay. Yes, definitely. Oh, oh, while we were thinking, I also thought of... Uh, the sound of quest for glory for when it first starts because i got that terrible like crash when you're sliding down uh and i couldn't play the game that exception error and it was there for ages and i remember starting the game and trying to play it and you get that behind the music and you know the right and i hear that so often but it, it reminds me of also frustration because of how bad i wanted to play the game but it's also the best feeling in the world when i finally got it running and I was able to play the game after hearing it. So it's like high on emotion and nostalgia for me because of those reasons. Oh, I can see that. Quest for Glory. I didn't really play Quest for Glory for all the way till the en- to the end, really, until adulthood. So I actually, by the time I got to it, didn't really have those issues. But mm-hmm. I do remember issues with the end of Quest for Glory 3. There was mm. that out of hunk 
Mm, oh, you got the out of hunk error. I got the oh, out of hunk. No, I didn't get that one, but I heard about it. I'm so sorry. That was infuriating, but you know, this uh, was is it kind like of a memory the whole... thing or something. I don't remember what it was connected with. I don't know what damn. it was, but mm-hmm. it's just part of the whole classic gaming experience. You're like, I didn't know I needed a hunk to play a video game. <laughs> I didn't have a hunk at the time. So, you know, exactly. we're just kids. <laughs> what do you expect from us? Right. I do wonder what the demographic was like. Okay. Does anybody know the answer to this? Maybe you even don't. I don't know. But like when, say, Quest for Glory 3 came out, what was the specific demographic for that game? Like, I'm guessing because I was, we were young. We were on the young end of playing it. Was it, and I know it wasn't like geared towards 11 to 14 year olds. So was it like, was there a bunch of 21 year olds that were also playing it? Because like so many people that we know in Guild are like now currently, uh, born between 75 and 85 it seems not everybody but like a lot of them maybe maybe it was kind of aimed at teen audiences a little bit more Mm -hmm. because it is kind of like cartoony and gamey but then there's leisure suit larry when you're like oh only focused on adult audiences obviously right so that was the completely i'm not a clue i'm sure there was some overlap but Mm -hmm. yeah I, you know, we played the games, I think, that were a little bit on the younger side, and I didn't play some of the older games until I was quite a bit older. So mm-hmm. I think my experience was a little bit different, but I think Quest for Gloria was about as hard-edged as I got when I was a kid, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, not an easy series, but one that stuck with me very, very quickly. I was eager to eat all of them up and to play them as every character type, even though like I didn't clue into the hybrid character so much when I was growing up until I was older, like some of the other things you could do with the game. So obviously I would Mm -hmm. miss stuff. I actually probably didn't have the focus to play through with every single character. Mm -hmm. I think I played through certain games with every single character, but I never did the import thing or anything like that. Mm. I wasn't really a meticulous go through the game and play every single facet of it kind of person. I was more like a just barrel through the game and just (laughs) knock stuff over and not do it right. And that was kind of my style. And it sort of is still my style in some ways. But, (laughs) you know, I thought it was until you started saying that. And then I'm looking over my playing of that series. And I'm like, no, no, I wanted to click on everything, do everything, know everything, play as everything. And I was really obsessed. Like something about that game captured me in a way that I just Mm -hmm. I wanted to know all of it. I don't I don't know why I don't know what it was about the game. Well, I do. I mean, obviously, it was a cool game. But I just, yeah. You know, it's funny looking back on ourselves, right? And being like, I'm going to analyze young Anna and see what kind of gamer she was. <laughs> and it's like, who are you to even like make an assumption that I was this, that or the other? And it's like, oh, you're older. <laughs> you think, you know, well, you're just old and you can't even finish a game without a hint book now. So like I could argue with young Anna all day. She's sassy, right? I don't know. She sounds like she could kick your ass. I think she could kick my ass. My dad said I knew everything when I was three years old, and I'm pretty sure he's right. I forgot. So you were, it ever you were since. a three major. I was. Yeah. No, I knew it all then. I've been forgetting it ever since, and now I'm I'm in my forties, and there's there's just not that much left, except for yeah. I know. I used to know everything too. It's amazing. Oh man, it was great. Right? Yeah, I see I it. it was great. I see it in the kid now. He knows everything now, and you should see how surprised he looks when mm-hmm. things don't go his way during, like, say, a strategy <laughs> game or something. He's like, "But that should have worked. I knew it would work." 
well, I guess you don't know everything, yeah. but hey. <laughs> nope, not at all. Okay, so uh, the other one that I wanted to talk about next was, uh, let's see. Let's see. These are things I all thought I could mention, but they're not actual subjects. Okay. Music and games took music directly from popular historical culture. Okay, we can go into that. So I was thinking, because this is my subject, I'm like, let's talk about the influence, because my mom often I'll be listening to a soundtrack from a game and she'll be like, oh, I recognize this as this classical piece or this other classical piece, but course i don't know so i'm going to stick with like one of the game the the music pieces you mentioned earlier as some of the more simple ones like green sleeves like i don't even know some of those songs are a part of popular culture until when i'm older and i'll hear it somewhere and i'm like oh yeah that's the the song from that game and they're like no no that song's like 300 years old or whatever you must come across stuff like that I think so. That's the only example that I can think of at the moment. But you know, when you're kids, mm -hmm. the place that you encounter it is always, well, that's where it came from. Well, no, actually, this piece of media borrowed it from another piece, from, you know, for, from this yes, classical piece of music or whatever mm -hmm. now. And I'm going to show very, very clearly that I'm the, the parent of a toddler when I say that we've been watching a lot of Bluey lately and <laughs> the composers for that TV show take a lot of influence from classical music. You hear mm -hmm. Ode to Joy or Paco Bell Cannon in different pieces kind of woven into the score for the show. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that kind of stuff is really cool. And this, is, this isn't a game-related thing either, but um, there is a... My favorite version of the Phantom of the Opera. Hi, Rick. Are you listening? I'm talking about Phantom of the Opera, which is your favorite. <laughs> but my, one of my favorite... My first exposure to the Phantom of the Opera story... I can actually relate this to games because there's a great game called Return of the Phantom that deals with the story of the Phantom of the Opera. Mm -hmm. But my very first exposure to that was the um, Walter Murphy disco concept album. <laughs> oh my goodness, is, that title's brilliant. Oh, it's so fantastic. And it's every bit as amazing as it sounds. But what they do is they start with the Toccata and Fugue in D minor. And it's a disco version of it. And then there's also Moonlight Sonata is another piece that gets woven into it. And, and there are others as well. And so you have all these kind of disco pieces, but then with classical music kind of creeping in. And if anybody hasn't listened to that, that's mm -hmm. listening to this, you included Anna, you need to go find it. It's delightful and so, so silly. And oh, it's wonderful. Lovely. But that's lovely. Well, just <laughs> bring, go, 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 go ahead. ahead. No, if you're, are you bringing a point home? Go ahead. I was just going to kind of bring it back to classic gaming mm -hmm. and say that, yeah, you do have things like green sleeves. And I am trying so hard to think of something that is in another game right now. And I know it'll hit me later. But hey, if you're listening and you're thinking, oh, yeah, X game has this piece of classical music in it. Outpost, Anna. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Outpost had the planets. Mm -hmm. Pulse mm -hmm. the planets. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because I remember very specifically hearing the Mars piece in that. That's another example. Ooh, good one. Yeah, Jupiter's my favorite. I like that one. That's a really nice one. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a really good piece. Yeah, yeah. My son got into a lot of that. He's, he's into classical music and stuff. Well, it's funny because when, when I do art with the family, we do drawings together. And my mom will often put on classical pieces. And it happens all the time. My son will look up and be like, 
that's a piece from uh, Civ 2, say, or from Heroes of Might and Magic. That's a bit of the piece from there. I'll be like, oh, I totally recognize this from Quest for Glory 3. And and it's just mm-hmm. little bits of it, like little tiny pieces do, 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 here and there. And, you know, you can hear that little bit of influence. And it's, it's so much fun finding mm-hmm. the hidden gaming that is out from in music from before the games existed. You know, so it's like a backwards Easter egg. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. It's a backwards Easter egg. <laughs> yeah. So, and like, if, speaking of that, like ambient music, like the background music in games where you spend a lot of time with them in turn-based games, like the Heroes Might Magic or Panzer General or uh, Heroes, like a Civ, any of the Civ games, any game where you're kind of sitting and taking your time, you're you're hearing the music in the background oftentimes over and over and over, not just like to fight or for certain movements, but just classical pieces. And they're often quite mm-hmm. complex and really beautiful. My mom will often say from downstairs, if she hears it, Hey, you know, what, what composer is that? And, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it is, it, people don't like, no offense to most people, but they're like, Oh, music and video games, like buzz, buzz beep. But it's like, no, no, this is like on par with the real music from the real world that real people listen to also like there's, there's some really beautiful stuff. It's true. I was just thinking actually in terms of classical music influence and classical music popping up in games, Return of the Phantom does have a lot of classical music in the background. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think it's legitimate. I think, I don't know how much was composed for the game in kind of a classical style, but I believe it actually does incorporate specifically classical music into the score. Mm -hmm. And they probably did that as a way to save money, but also (laughs) because it's public domain, but Mm -hmm. also it, it, it goes well with the story. So and now that now that you kind of mentioned it, now they're kind of starting to pop up. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, it's it's out there. Like like you you kind of gave a nod to the idea in the beginning of the episode when it's like before a soundtrack. It was kind of like a hidden fun quirk if you could find the files that played the music on your discs like it could happen it like you were able to but generally no that sort of thing wasn't just included so the fact that when you do buy a game say you know stardew valley or undertale and you're like i just want to download the soundtrack and listen to it on my mp3 player in my car or wherever else is is a pretty cool privilege to have now too Mm -hmm. i I love that yeah sometimes you could just play a cd right if you had the right cd in the right game like in that era where it was on cd oftentimes they would Mm -hmm. include the soundtracks with it in that way oh quest for glory five i Mm -hmm. played the trash out of that Mm -hmm. man thomas that's a great one that that game gets shit on all the time but my goodness do i love (sighs) the music in that game and just the the guitar playing the vibe of samaria the just the the way that they were able to like put the background music in, like it's the ocean and it's the birds mm-hmm. and it's Greece and it's, you know, the people talking, it was all so seamless and where everyone's like, Oh, it was kind of like a harder game to look at. I think, you know, a lot of people are just offended. Well, maybe that's the wrong word by the difference in that game, but when you put it all together and take 10 minutes to just adjust to what it looks like, and you put it together with the music, it is a beautiful, engaging, complex game with so many variables. It's not even funny. 
it's crazy. It's such a great game. It really is. And I was shocked when I learned that people don't like it. Same I had no here. idea. No, I'm just I like, was... what? I didn't even know people didn't like Cedric, though. So call me naive. I thought he was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know that I thought that, but I, I did. <laughs> no offense to Richard Aronson if he's listening right now, um, but... <laughs> Oh, he doesn't take offense. I think he's okay. just like, yeah, because well, Roberta created the character. He's like, I did the creator <laughs> character. It's like he was supposed to be like an annoying five-year-old know-it-all kind of child that would never go into danger or put himself into danger. And that's that's kind of the character they created. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you were successful just like that. Yeah. You're like, well, you know what? You did it. You brought that character to life. Um, <laughs> right? For real. But I, I played and I really thoroughly enjoyed Quest for Glory 5. I love the soundtrack. I, mm -hmm. I just had a blast with that game. And then when I got into the classic Gamers Guild and saw some of the conversations every now and then about how people didn't like it, <laughs> I was just, what? Mm -hmm. It's great. What's the problem? You know, and I didn't even, <laughs> no, I didn't even have a hard time with the graphics. I was like, no. okay, we're doing 3D now. Cool. You know, no. whatever. Exactly. And that's, <laughs> when I played it at the time, I didn't notice any of that because every Sierra game you and I have ever played mm -hmm. have broken the barrier of what a computer game could be. So in no way did I ever expect that four would be like five or five would be like four or anything else. Like no, I knew that's it was kind of be. a it just sort of feels like a strange expectation if you kind of look mm. at the progression of different Sierra series. I mean, Gabriel Knight was mm -hmm. a different style game graphically from from game to game. Yeah. No two in that series look alike. Mm -hmm. Um I, I will say that you know, as far as 3D games go, I didn't love Mask of Eternity. I feel like that one I struggle looking at mm -hmm. for various reasons. But, you know, I when people bring up Quest for Glory 5, I'm just like, you know, I mean, maybe some of the close-ups looked a little funky, but I, whatever. I mean, it. I thought overall it looked good and mm -hmm. played well. I had a lot of fun with it. So, I mean, to each their own, I guess. Yeah, I, I can hear like I can hear some of the noises from Mask of Eternity that like, like, I don't know that noise when things happen and it's like kind of scary. And then I can hear like, mm -hmm. like a couple of the noises come back to me. But like, none of the music from Mask of Eternity comes back to me. Like when I think about the ambience background stuff, well, that, that one's not as much. How about a game? So here's a here is a category off the top of my head. How about a game? where you enjoy the soundtrack, but you can't play it. Like mm. it just, the, the game itself doesn't grab you, but the soundtrack does. So it's almost like the game in your head is better than the one that was actually written. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I could, uh, let's see. Something like, uh, hey, you know, you get the funky jazzy soundtrack in a game like Les Manley. Uh, either one of them that you put in. So it's like the mm -hmm. Leisure Suit Larry knockoff. The music is actually reasonable. It's very jivey. It's very like, there's there's absolutely nothing wrong really with the soundtrack. It's not even like super copycat-like or repetitive, mm -hmm. unlike the game, which is like a little bit out there and esoteric. And it's not like I can't play it, but if I was, I'd probably rather pop on the soundtrack than actually play the mm. game 90% of the time. Now, not being familiar with this, can I just take you back, Les Manley? Uh, yeah, Search is for that, the King. Is that, is is that the first one lost in LA, the second one. 
Okay, and he's he's supposed to be kind of a leisure suit Larry knockoff. Yeah, yeah. Except it's uh, named less manly. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You get the joke, <laughs> right? Yeah. And anyways, you think but, it's um, gonna be all hot babes, <laughs> but it's like I don't know. There's a lot of like what what is that word for it again? When it the puzzle doesn't make sense, I just I'm word moon logic. It. Yeah, the whole game is there's a lot of moon logic, and it's, mm. it doesn't mm-hmm. quite go there like leisure suit larry kind of goes there a little bit Mm -hmm. and this the the les manly games don't quite and and it's not that they're absolutely terrible right they did okay but it it just it just seems like a wannabe game more than anything but yeah great music how about you yeah um you know and and i have to preface this with if I say that, you know, I don't like a game or I think maybe it isn't everything it should be, I, I just mm-hmm. need y'all to know that I can't make a game like any of the games that I'm, I'm picking on. So mm-hmm. I try very hard not to do that very often. Also understanding that there are huge teams of incredibly talented people working on all of these. And so mm-hmm. who am I to criticize that said? <laughs> um, the one for me, I actually really like the Mask of Eternity soundtrack. Um, and I struggle with the game. I think um, it, it, it was, was kind of just hard to play and it was kind of hard to look at. And I understand that they were trying to go a different direction with it. I, I appreciate the, the expansion of lore and, and the backstories of the characters that, you know, I kind of, I watched a retrospective and learned a little more about it. Um, it's not for me though, but mm-hmm. the soundtrack... Um, is is really pretty there's there's some really mm. nice pieces i really love i'm trying to remember the names of the pieces see maybe i should Actually, go back and review the soundtrack because like the last time mm-hmm. i heard it was the last time i played the game right years and years and years ago there aren't a ton of different pieces that really stand out but the ones that do are quite lovely mm-hmm. so there is there's like a, a piece that is a, a fountain Mm-hmm. There's something about a fountain and I can't, I really can't recall the name of the piece and I'm not going to try and sing it all here for you, but uh, there's also wandering kind of through Daventry. Anytime you go into a house with some of the people that are frozen, uh, there's like a theme that plays. It's really pretty with guitar mm-hmm. and um, both of those pieces actually were covered on King's Chill 2 mm. and, and really interestingly too. So uh, go find... Well, I, I can't tell you to go find the original because I don't know what they're called. <laughs> but um, I maybe we can add that to show notes or something. And uh, then, you know, I can make some recommendations. But I, I, I just go check out the whole soundtrack mm-hmm. and um, kind of flick through it. And there are some really pretty pieces. We'll just kind of leave it at that. Okay. Yeah. I'm just looking through. Not that I can name the one specifically, but I can, I can recall some, right? The dimension of death Mm -hmm. theme and you've got the Lord Azrael, right? Okay. Yeah. I'm definitely going to have to give this a go. Even reading the names makes me a bit nostalgic. I have, Mm -hmm. as I've mentioned on this podcast before, but because everybody likes familiarity because we're into retro gaming and classic gaming and nostalgia, we'll hear it again. I liked King's Quest 8 in that 
Uh, unfortunately, at the time, I've grown up. I'm not like I used to be. But at the time, I was somewhat disappointed in King's Quest Seven because I found it a tad too easy and sort of mm. more in a Disney direction, which at the time I wasn't super into. I was more into action and like Quest for Glory. So when Mask of Eternity came sure. out, I'm like, oh, man, this is like and the, as close to Quest for Glory as King's Quest is ever going to get. And I'll take it. So I thought it was it, it was longer to get a hold of the controls and it was, you know, maybe now it looks a bit mm -hmm. odd. But at the time, I thought it was a lot of fun. I played it. I liked it. I finished it. I didn't realize you could play yeah. it naked with a fig leaf. I've learned that now. But that that we have learned um, since then. Uh <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is that, you know, when there's a game that maybe I don't love, someone mm -hmm. else really enjoyed it. And maybe there's a game that you didn't love. Someone else really enjoyed, you know. So I mean, I kind of tend to land uh, sometimes on it's not for me. There are some mm -hmm. things. There are some games out there that I think are probably objectively not very good. But you know, mm -hmm. um, again, I try to have a bit of grace for all kinds of circumstances that surround the development of games. There's just a lot of stuff that goes on that sometimes changes things or makes them difficult to get out. I have a lot of respect, though, for creators and what they do. So, again, I try to go easy on the criticism. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. I'd feel more comfortable criticizing a LucasArts game, even only because I feel here's a bunch of people that have money that don't really have a timeline, that are just told not to lose money, that make games, and they're great, and they're awesome. But, like, Sierra, you've got the whole kitchen table start and all that, da-da-da, adorable, like, starting from nothing and being becoming something dream that makes mm -hmm. me super hesitate to yeah like you say criticize anything that that particular company did so I'm like yeah whatever fine accolade uh, I'm on to you or you know <laughs> LucasArts yeah you're on my hit list and it's you know not that I have any reason to like pick them out in particular but I'm like well I can't say it about Sierra and I've been told I'm not supposed to be super 100% nice about everything all the time on this show so I got to pick on somebody <laughs> I think that I think that well and, and this is a little bit of a side journey here we'll call it a side quest because this is a gaming podcast but I think that there is a difference between constructive criticism and you know a critique and oh mm -hmm. this game is trash mm -hmm. I saw there was a as an example I saw there was kind of a post in guild and I think a lot of people don't realize that there are actually a lot of creators from back in the day that are mm -hmm. in there. So if you start talking trash about a game, they're going to see it. Oh, I know. Um, That's the worst thing. And it's, like, oh, my like, God. Oh, you guys. I want to no. delete you because this is just not mm -hmm. very nice. And I'm friends with that person. <laughs> right. So you can say this was about Space Quest V in particular. And again, mm -hmm. another game that I didn't realize that there's a non-insignificant amount of people don't like because I loved mm -hmm. it but and I don't love everything I just don't talk a whole lot about the ones I don't love but mm -hmm. um so somebody came on and called it a steaming pile of trash or something and I was like okay you cannot like the game so and that's totally fine because not every game is for everyone but have a little respect for the people that made it Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it looks great. And, um, but if you don't like the art style, that's fine. You can say, I don't like the style. I, I didn't, maybe I didn't like this aspect of the gameplay or this was a little frustrating for me, but there's a difference between that and just saying something mean. Well, so 
That's the kind of the line. My wish list is is this, and and okay, I'm either going to gain listeners or lose listeners. But what I have to say is, did you make a game, or like how was your mm-hmm. game, and what were your challenges, and what are the things you worked through? Because when you've done it and you've made one, you have every right to give any kind of criticism, hopefully constructive to somebody else who's made a game as well, because you're in a mutually mm-hmm. respectful place where both of you have made games and you both have some knowledge and experience. And that is where the back and forth constructive criticism can start. But if you're, unless you're like, I guess a game reviewer, well, that's anybody, right? But like sitting back mm-hmm. as like an armchair critic being like, oh man, that was stupid. <laughs> it's like, okay, good. And what what wasn't stupid that, of what you made? Now share it with the world and let mm-hmm. them critique on it because like maybe they think your shirt is stupid and how much effort did that <laughs> take on your part? Not very much. And how did that make you feel? Maybe not mm-hmm. very good. So anyways, rant right. over. <laughs> well, just to kind of close up this particular part of the conversation, we'll get back to the music soon. I promise you guys. Um, I think that what it comes down to is that it, it's really hard to to create something and you devote a lot of time to it. And you and I know enough creators that we know that it's, it's a very difficult process. It's like having a child. It's essentially giving birth to this thing that you made and it's beautiful and you poured your blood, sweat and tears into it. And to have people say just casually cruel things about it. I mean, that's gotta be tough. And, Mm -hmm. and so, and, and these are people that are open to honest to goodness, you know, critiques that are, that are couched in you know respectful language that that's mm-hmm. that's fine i don't think there's a one of them that would say oh i you know i can't take that but um just remember that behind every creative endeavor that you encounter is a human being well many human beings and mm-hmm. be kind to them mm-hmm. think about how it would feel if somebody was saying it to you you know with social media people have unprecedented access to creators and yeah, um exactly it, and i'm just like why do we freaking think they even want to listen to us little minions but oh my god <laughs> they do they're just like yes connect with us tell us mm-hmm. and i'm just like that is ballsy as heck to like to open mm-hmm. yourself up that way during the creative process like when you're writing a piece of music or a piece of art or making anything to show somebody during that process is is a huge risk to take for for yourself mm-hmm. in your openness oh, yeah. just in the fact that you're saying hey I'm not done this yet but I'm going to show it off to everybody in the anticipation that it's going to eventually be done I mean that that's a lot mhm I mean, the bottom line is it costs nothing to be kind. Mm-mm. Just be kind, you know. Yeah. Be kind. Criticize rewind. kindly. Exactly. Always. You can criticize kindly. <laughs> it's not, you can do it. It's it's not sandwich hard. Sandwich that. Sandwich that criticism. Do it Do it the executive way. Give a compliment, compliment sandwich. <laughs> and then give a criticism. And right. then give a re- the closing compliment afterwards. That, that happy little constructive criticism is hidden right yeah. in there. Like a little bit of a pickle or something. It'll be fine. Right. Oh, wow. It sounds like both of us really needed to say that. I feel I feel good. I feel <laughs> we vented to <laughs> you cleansing. Guys. Right. Well, that was that yeah. was super cleansing. No, and it's a good way to, to segue into probably what is going to be the uh, the last little bits that we talk about during this episode, which is kind of like any closing thoughts you have either on uh, 
music and how you feel about it, maybe a soundtrack you Mm -hmm. haven't mentioned before or a a project that you're interested in that's out there or anything else. Oh, gosh. Well, I have a little bit of a... Can I I give you a little bit of a lightning round here? Would you be open to that? I'm always open to a lightning round. Let's do it. So so what I want to do is ask you a couple of questions about your favorite this or your favorite that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's kind of minutiae. So your favorite musical minutia, that's what we'll call this. So number one, from any classic game, what is your favorite little, I just got a point piece of music? King's Quest Six, easy. King's Quest Six. I have it, I use it as a, a, a reminder whenever I get a text message, I feel like I've accomplished something and gotten points. Yeah, seriously. It oh, feels that's really so good. I like good. that. It does. It is it's a really satisfied little dee dee dee. It is, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it's, a, you know, oh, 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 quick, quick, quick thing. Uh, I know it's a lightning round, but I was actually at a party and Lori and Corey Cole were in the vehicle with me and we were driving to this party. This is like back a couple of years ago before COVID and everything else. And my phone rang and on my ringtone, it was uh, the Leshy music from King uh, Quest for Glory 4. And Lori oh, was okay. in my vehicle and she said, hey, isn't that the music? And she called what it was and, and said it on, on. And I'm like, yes, it is. And I, I was love like, it. all super proud. I'm like, this feels like I'm not even on earth anymore. Like I've, I've just like succeeded to this other realm. It was just such Yay. a trip, right? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I love it. That's fantastic. So your next, you have to ask, you have to answer that question, don't you? Okay. Well, for me, it's a tie between Gabriel Night One because it sounds like State Farm is there. I love it, um, <laughs> and that cracks me up every time. Like a good or Freddie Farkas because mm-hmm. score, it just score. it cracked me I up. Oh, I, I have Those that little sound bite. I like sending that one around. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yep. Okay. Next one. Favorite opening screen. Ooh, the music that hits you like right as the the game sort of flashes up. Mm-hmm. So think like when you boot up Colonel's Bequest and right. you hear that music as the magnifying glass appears, right? Right before mm. you get to the copy protection, that that kind of opening screen, the first mm. opening salvo of music. Ooh, yeah, that is a really good question. You know, there's a. Let me think about that. Really good opening music. Okay, my favorite is Leisure Suit Larry 7 at the very, very, very beginning of the game. And they're doing like the little Sierra intro and he's carrying like the giant ball of Sierra intro on his back. And it just does the little doo and it's like leading up into the game. And I was so excited for this game, Leisure Suit Larry 7 in particular, that like that's the one right there that like hits me just at that moment, like the intro into the like the whole game itself. Kind of because of the attachment to the game and the series and the excitement and the anticipation of playing the new one. And it looked like a real cartoon. I'm like, am I playing Tiny Toons? Because it looked so real. Oh. Mm-hmm. And and it was a text parser game because Leisure Suit Larry, they introduced the ability to have a text parser as well as the point and click for it. So I was like, there was just so many different reasons, actually, mm-hmm. on this one. <laughs> okay. And your last one is... Oh, actually, shoot, I have two more. You can edit me out there. Um, Second to last one, walking around music. So like ambient music. So you're wandering the mansion in Phantasmagoria or you're wandering Samaria during the daytime or the nighttime because they're two different pieces. What's your Mm -hmm. favorite? I'm wandering around 
music. Ooh. Or it's sometimes it's kind of sounds, you know, like just ambient noise. Like, what's your favorite? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Gypsy Camp in Quest for Glory 4. I know I come back to that one a lot, but I really oh. like that. The sort of like, there's the wolves howling and it's like my grandma used to always call gypsies yipsies, right? So I'd be playing that game and I'd be like, oh, the yipsy music part. And she'd always come in and listen to the yipsy music. So I don't know, that one in particular. It's a really pretty piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Any of those scenes from that game, kind of walking around in the forest right? It's scary. And uh, it's got that like, and you know what, and it take me to a night scene, like how the music changes when it's in the mansion in King's Quest 4, and it's nighttime and Mm -hmm. and things like that. Just like all the the music that happens in there, the sound of the baby crying, or the scraping of the chains when the miser's Mm -hmm. moaning, things like that. I think for me, the answer would have to be wandering the museum at night as Laura Bow. Good call. Yeah. Dagger. I like that. Very good. Yeah. Yes. Cause you kind of got those little kind of staccato um, mm-hmm. moments and you've got, they do that a lot in that a couple game, of like yeah. little creepy chords that kind of fade out. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay. And last one, because we're ending the podcast in a little bit. Um, what's your favorite closing credits music? Ooh. Yeah, good one. That one's definitely uh, Quest for Glory 2 Trial by Fire when you're you're flying off at the end of that game, moving on to uh, the third mm-hmm. one there. It's like, it's so epic and it's like such a cool accomplishment. It was such a difficult game to finish. I love the little car- cartoon that plays while they're doing the ending credits and you fly through everything about the ending in that game, actually, I think is absolutely brilliant. I think for me... Just because it was the piece that we would stop and listen to, my brother and I. I like the closing credits on King's Quest One, the EGA mm-hmm. remake. Mm-hmm. And so we would play that and listen to the Condor music. That was our favorite. Shout out to Ken Allen for that. Love <laughs> it. Thank you. And that was my favorite. There were so mm-hmm. many good ones, but for me, that holds the most nostalgic weight. So I'm going with that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good call. I think uh, all around. And you know what, what else can stick in your head is uh, stuff like the archaeologist song because it's, it was actual singing. And I I know you brought up that game anyways, too, and various others, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's just, it's so cool. It was so like, I was really into Betty Boop and a lot of that, you know, retro stuff at the time. So to -hmm. hear it was just a nice little nostalgia kick. So, Speaking of the archaeologist song, a friend of ours has recorded a punk version of it, and Mm -hmm. that will soon be available to own. Mm -hmm. So keep your eyes peeled for a campaign coming to a place near you. Yeah, it might even have something to do with uh, charity, which could entice a couple of people, and it might have something to do with... uh, I think there's a couple of other really cool songs on it too. We might have uh, the ballad of Freddie Farkas hanging around and uh, maybe, maybe some spoken word stuff. I mean, you know, use you hear it here first vaguely. So, Oh yeah. Um, is that something we're supposed to talk about yet? I don't know. I, I don't, don't, I don't know. see why not. It's for charity. <laughs> Anything that's for charity, right. you want to get it out there. It's well, just, it's a good thing. 
So basically, we have not announced it here. We have vaguely referenced it here. So we've announced absolutely nothing. So okay. I've been assured nobody makes it, it this there. far into a podcast episode. It's fine. It's okay. Like, nobody can actually hear <laughs> Nobody's us at listening this at this yeah. point. We can no. say whatever we want. Yeah, absolutely. Secrets are out. It's it's no problem at all. We can yeah. say that Anna actually ghost wrote King's Quest and oh, like nobody totally. would care. Yeah. No. Yeah. That it's was totally true, by the way. I was a genius kid, right? I, I you was really were, yeah. To just do so many cool things. I think it's absolutely criminal. Nobody's given you credit for that, even after all this time. So, All right. Thank you, Sarah. And thanks to you for hanging out with us while we chatted about music and classic games. What are some of your favorite music pieces from games that you like to play? Tell us about it. Send an email to mail at classicgamersguild.com. You can find us on Facebook. We're a page. We're a group. Classic Gamers Guild. Or send us a tweet. You can reach me at CGG Podcast or Paul at The Phantom Fellows. Do you prefer Instagram? Yep, we're there too, at CGG Podcast. And of course, the show wouldn't be able to happen if it weren't for our lovely Patreon subscribers. Yes, I mean you, all of you. If you hadn't checked it out yet, you can find us on uh, Classic Gamers Guild on Patreon. Uh, We even put out bonus content occasionally. Don't forget, you can find us on Amazon Music, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, or just ask your smart speaker, hey, please play the Classic Gamers Guild podcast and an episode will pop right up. So thanks for hanging out. Don't do a murder. occasionally.